Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to you all. As Sherry said, you know, we, we really want there to only be two seasons of the year, summer and spring. And it is optimistic to put spring on our spring schedule card, but it does go into May. And so you can kind of understand why we did that. Uh, one of the only things that gives me uh, a sense of hope in the face of seeing another year pass by is to know that as of the 21st of December, the days are getting longer. So that's positive, right? That's a good thing. We can expect uh, summer to be here before you know it. At least that's what I keep telling myself. And um, that may be unrealistic because we live in Minnesota. But uh, we look forward to that. As we uh, gather here this morning, we are beginning a new series of messages we're going to be in in the book of Mark. And today is going to be a little bit different than you normally experience here on Sunday morning. What we're going to do is I wanted to sort of take a little bit of time to lay out what this series is going to look like, as well as some of the ways that we are asking you to participate with us in this series over these next number of months. And then we're going to do something that maybe you have never experienced before. Some of you have, but some of you have never experienced an extended reading of a passage of the Bible. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to, after I give this sort of introduction, we're going to uh, just listen We're going to read Mark chapters 1 through 4. It's going to be read out loud. There's going to be no sermon, no commentary, no explanation. We're just going to listen to God's word as it's read. Uh, These books of the Bible that we have are given to us as large chunks of text, and they're designed for us to hear them and and hear them as a whole. And uh, we're not going to read the entire book today because it would take an hour and a half, but we're going to read that first section today. Uh, So first, let's think uh, together just for a moment about some ways uh, to participate together in this series. Uh, The first way, one of the main ways, is we have these Mark Bible journals that we passed out this morning. Uh, I'm going to ask Chad right now, if you're here today and you did not get one of these on the way in, uh, there's some right over on the side there. Chad's going to grab those, and if you did not get one, go ahead and raise your hand, and Chad's going to come around and give one of those to you. If you're here today and you are of reading age, So third, fourth, fifth grade and above, if you're able to read uh, and would like one of these, we want to give these to you as a gift. Uh, What this is, is it's a Bible journal. And so what that means is that on one side of the page, it simply has the text of the book of Mark. And then on the other side, it's blank. And that blank space is for you to write observations or to write thoughts you have or to uh, maybe draw a picture if that's what you want or to write down maybe the words of a song or a hymn that comes to your mind as you're reading. It's a space for you to write down prayer requests that you have uh, or prayers, just write out your prayers or to write down record answered prayers that you have, whatever you want to use that space for. Whatever would help you engage in the book of Mark, we want you to use that. This is our gift to you. And uh, this is one of the ways that we just want to uh, take the time to sort of just marinate in the book of Mark over these next number of months. We just did a series this past fall in Psalm 1. And hearing the psalmist say that the blessed person, the prospering and the flourishing person is the one who meditates on God's word and who delights in it day and night and who's saturated with it. So we want to be people whose uh, minds and hearts are saturated with God's word. And so this is just uh, a tool that we're providing for you um, to, to facilitate that. A couple statistics I want to give you. This is from Barna. So Barna does a whole bunch of research, and they uh, interviewed over 100,000 followers of Jesus. 
And what they learned was that 36% of those who say they're followers of Jesus read their Bible sometime between every day and once a week. So that's great. One out of every three Christians reads their Bible on a regular basis. On the opposite side of the spectrum, 35% of people who identified themselves as followers of Jesus also checked the box that say, I read my Bible never, which leaves 29% in sort of the, the middle I read my Bible sometime between once a month and once a quarter or once a year. And so just to sort of put all that data together, that means that 64% of people who identify themselves as followers of Jesus read their Bible sometime between once a month and never. And you might guess that on a survey, when someone's asking you questions like that, you can guess that there may be some people who overestimated (laughs) the amount of uh, time that they spent reading the Bible. And I don't know where you land on that spectrum. Uh, My guess is that in this room, I I know that there are many of you who love God's word, who regularly spend time reading the Bible. Uh, I also know that there's some of you who maybe struggle with this. There may be some of you who can't remember the last time you just sat down to read the Bible. There may be some of you who don't know where your Bible is, if you even own one. And so I don't know know where you find yourself uh, here this morning. But what I do know is this, that if you feel bored, if you feel unengaged in your faith, if you feel like you're sort of just going through the spiritual motions, you know, you come here on Sundays and you, you know, hear someone else talk about the Bible, you hear someone else read the Bible, if you feel, you know, like you're just, you're doing all the right spiritual activity, but you don't really feel much of a connection with God personally, uh, if you feel like you're sort of teetering on the edge spiritually, if you feel like uh, your faith is weak or tired, like you barely have a spiritual pulse and at any moment you're just kind of ready to just throw in the towel and move on from it all, if you feel any of those things, the good news is that there is a solution, Right? There's a solution for that, and a big part of that is spending time with God in the Bible. You know, we would never question why your relationship with your spouse is terrible if you talked once a month or never, right? You know, uh, engage in relationship once a month or never. We would never question, well, I can't figure out why your relationship with your spouse is really bad. You know, I can't imagine why you're not enthused about your relationship, And so the same thing sort of holds true with our relationship with God. If we don't spend any time in intentional, thoughtful communion with God and trying to meet him in the pages of scripture, why would we think that we're going to have a vibrant life uh, as Jesus followers? Uh, So friends, uh, let's be the church that defies those statistics. Okay, let's be the church where those statistics are at a very minimum baseline flipped on their head where we know that two out of every three people who call Elmwood home regularly, sometime between once a week and every single day, are spending time reading scripture. We exist as a church to invite all people into the life-giving way of Jesus. And in order to accomplish that mission, in order to have any amount of fruitfulness in that, we have to be people who are cultivating spiritual vibrancy. And you will never live a spiritually vibrant life if you never spend time in God's word if you never read the Bible, if you never uh, put forth any effort to engage in relationship with God. And so let's be the church that defies those statistics. Uh, There may be some of you here who feel like, you know, the reason that my Bible engagement is somewhat low is because I feel frustrated or I feel discouraged. 
I pick up my Bible and I try to read and I do read and I find that I don't understand what I'm reading. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand what it means. I find that I, you know, read a whole chunk of passage and then I'm just like, I don't even know what I just read. And you just feel defeated. Uh, It may be that part of your um, low engagement with the Bible could be helped by just having some simple tools to help you understand what it is that you're reading. And so what we've done is we've created this card. Uh, This is a card that's uh, front and back that is a tool to help you as you read the Bible. So if you got one of these uh, Gospels of Mark, there is one of these cards in there already. These are also out at the connections table. So if you uh, don't you know, if you didn't get one of these or you'd prefer to use your own Bible, but you want one of these cards, these are out there at the connections table and these are going to be out there permanently. But on the one side, uh, this has some questions to help you as you read the Bible. And let me just tell you that one of the things that I'm most excited about, about these questions, the beauty of these questions is that they require zero theological education. How often do you feel like, oh my goodness, I could never read the Bible because I can never get out of it what John does. Or, you know, I'm in these Bible studies with these other people and they can see all the stuff that I can't see. And you feel discouraged because you feel like you don't have the education to be able to, you know, get something out of it you're supposed to. And these questions require zero theological education, no Bible college. I mean, those things are great. I have those things, right? So I'm not saying that those are unimportant. But for a normal person who reads the Bible, you don't have to have a Bible degree to understand what the Bible's saying. And so we want to equip you And so these questions are just to be used as a guide to help you as you read the Bible. And these questions are a starting place. Uh, There's certainly more to be gleaned. Uh, There's certainly uh, greater depths into which we can go into the Bible. But this is a starting place. If If you feel like, you know, I just don't even know where to start when I read the Bible, choose a passage. There's instructions on here for how to do that. And then use these questions just to help guide you as you read the Bible. On the back side, there's some resources uh, that we've highlighted for you. There's a QR code, and if you open up the camera on your phone and scan that QR code, it's going to take you to one of our uh, pages on our website. Uh, I'll just show you. This is what my Bible journal looks like right now. I've had a couple weeks head start, so don't feel, don't feel bad about that. I'm just giving this an, as an example of highlight, underline, mark it up, write down, just whatever helps you in, in this journey. If you go to the website, you'll find a page that looks like this, and there's a whole bunch of different resources. Some of those are digital resources. Some of them are apps. Some of them are free. Some of them are paid. Some of them are books. Some of them are commentaries. We try to just put together sort of the best of the best of the resources uh, that would be able to help you as you start to read the Bible on your own. And I'll just tell you that if you are, are in a place of saying, you know, I look at those resources and there's some of those that I'm like, man, that'd be really helpful to have, you know, that book or that commentary. And that just would be really meaningful, helpful for me. And I simply can't afford it. Uh, I'm not joking when I say I will buy you the book. Okay. The, there, there's no way we're going to let you not have the resources that you need to be able to understand the Bible well. So don't let finances be an issue. You can send me an email. You can talk to me privately or whatever. We are so happy to purchase for you the resources you need if that would be helpful for you. Uh, So there's resources on there. So uh, utilize the Bible journal as well as the card uh, that's there. And the last thing I'll just mention here this morning uh, is that during the worship gatherings in uh, this series, we're going to be having some time uh, for you to share what God is doing in uh, your life as you read the book of Mark. Uh, Our expectation and our belief is that as we spend time reading the Bible, 
as we encounter Jesus, we will be changed by him. Uh, We're not going to stay the same. And so we want to hear from you. uh, And so we want to create space in our public gatherings uh, to hear uh, snippets of what God is doing in your life. And so if you go on our website, there's uh, this little button here that says, share your story. It's right on the homepage of our website, so you can't miss it. Go there. You can click that button. You can fill out any of the questions that are on there. There's questions such as, what are you observing? What are you learning? What are you seeing in the text? What is something that you maybe have seen uh, for the first time or something that you're seeing with fresh eyes? How are you seeing God change you? What are the thoughts or the attitudes or the actions that you sense God is changing inside of you as you spend time in the book of Mark? Uh, What are you reading that's leading you to delight in God? This is the goal of reading the Bible is delighting in God. And so when we read and we get a clear picture of who God is, we ought to leave our Bible reading uh, with a sense of wonder with who God is and what he's done for us. So what are you reading that's leading you to delight in God? Uh, And also, uh, based on what you're reading, is there a word of encouragement that you want to share with our church family? So we want to create space during our public gatherings for those kinds of conversations to happen. And so uh, we'll be sharing more details about how that's going to look. Uh, So you can, if you don't feel comfortable sharing that in public, if you're like, you know, I, like most of Americans, would literally rather die than speak in public, uh, you can go to the website and fill that out and click the button that says, you know, I, I would love to share this, but I want someone else to share this on my behalf. And we'd be happy to say, you know, someone this week told us, here's what they're seeing, here's what they're learning. Uh, if you feel comfortable sharing in public, there's a microphone here that we will uh, not hand to you. I will stand there and hold it for you. And we will let you share for two minutes or less uh, maybe the answer to one of those questions. Certainly not all of them, but those are just to help stir your thinking uh, and to help you uh, just sort of prepare and sort of guide your thinking as you uh, think about what you'd like to share. So those are the ways that we want to, as a church family, sort of take just this next season of ministry here and go to the book of Mark and just sit at the feet of Jesus in Mark and along with that gospel as it unfolds to come to a greater awareness of who Jesus is. What did he come to do? What does it mean to follow him? And that's what we want to spend our time doing this year. And so we encourage you to uh, spend some time with us uh, and look, I look forward to uh, sharing this series with you. Uh, with that being said, I want to uh, transition to the time where we are going to just read. We're going to just read four chapters of the book of Mark. Uh, it'll take uh, somewhere about 15 minutes maybe. So it's not a super long thing, right? This, isn't, uh, this is shorter than like an episode of something you'd watch on TV. So this isn't crazy long, but it's about 15 minutes. And so as we come to this passage, what I want to do first is I want to just take a few moments and just sit in silence before God. Maybe silence is something that you don't typically practice. Maybe silence feels awkward for you. Uh, That's okay. It's good for us to sit in silence before God and to feel some of the awkwardness of, what do I do with myself? Um, So I want to just give us about 90 seconds of silence, and then I will pray, and then we will jump into reading those first four chapters of the Gospel of Mark. So would you join me in silence?
God, we praise you for revealing yourself to us in your word. Thank you for the treasure that we have in the Bible. Lord, we feel so privileged to have not only your word, but so many other Bible resources that are available to us that can help us understand the Bible. And we're just so grateful for the, just the, the amazing number of resources that are available to us. We ask, Lord, that you would not let us squander such a gift. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would awaken within each of us a desire to spend time in the Bible. We know that apart from you working this desire inside of us, that reading the Bible will be a dry, boring, academic exercise. We know that apart from your work, it will not be life-giving, it will not be joyful, and it will ultimately not lead to lasting spiritual fruit. And so we pray, God, that you would give each of us a desire to spend time in the Bible, and that as you do, Lord, give us the, give us the discipline to be obedient when we sense that calling, when we sense the desire to read. Would you give us the ability to choose to do the right thing and to stop whatever we're doing or however that looks and spend time in your word. Lord, again, we thank you for the gift of your word and we ask that as we hear it today that you would conform us into the image of your son, Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. 
The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you do not tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the good news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. A few days later, 
When Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it? that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not. Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. And one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to them, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath.
Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. And then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up to a mountainside and called to him all those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to whom he gave, gave the name Bonerges, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebul. By the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying, He has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, 
Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. And then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowds that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not hear they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others... Like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times what was sown. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also says, This is what the kingdom of God is like. 
a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Here ends the reading. question is a fitting place to end the reading today. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. As we go through the book of Mark over these next number of months, we'll see the theme of the unfolding identity of Jesus. At the beginning, you've got only the demons and the dark spiritual forces that identify correctly who Jesus is, while all the humans are saying, who is this? Who is this guy? Where does he come from? And so we'll see that unfolding theme. And, you know, I would like to think that if I was there, I would get it. Right? I'd like to think that if I was there, I would be one of the first people to correctly identify who Jesus is. And my guess is that you probably think that too, but probably not the case. (laughs) Probably not the case. How privileged are we that we have this account in the Bible where you, you see the disciples spend three full years of constantly being with Jesus and they still don't understand who he is. And we see the unfolding of Jesus' identity and the unfolding of the disciples actually coming to understand who he is. And it took them three years of being with Jesus to get that. And we can read the entire book of Mark in an hour and a half. What a gift that we have uh, the Bible, that we have God's word given to us where we can see so clearly the identity of who Jesus is. As we come to the communion table today, uh, we get to remember and celebrate that God is a God who has delighted to make himself known to us. He's made himself known not only in his written word that we uh, enjoy so much, but also more clearly in in the living word, in his son Jesus. 
And of course, everything about the written word points us forward to, points us towards the life and the person of the living word, Jesus. And we get to celebrate God's great love for us, that he sent us his son, and that his son uh, lived the life that we should have lived, died the death that we should have died, and gave his life in place of ours so that we could be restored in relationship with God, so that we could once again uh, be able to be in God's presence without being consumed by his holiness. And so we get to remember and celebrate today that God has made himself known, and he's made himself known most clearly uh, in the cross. And so we get to remember and celebrate that today. As we come to the communion table, as we do each week, I want to invite you to take just a few moments of silent confession and reflection.